Yo, yo, it's Digsy's Baby, the podcast, episode number six. Now, I wanted to come on here Friday morning and record this segment of the podcast after... Honestly, I really wanted to come out Thursday night, but I was exhausted. I wanted to go to bed. But after that Giants loss, what a horrible, horrible way to lose the game. But it came out a day or two later that after they watched the coaches tape, Dexter Lawrence wasn't offside and the ref made a mistake and the NFL will be calling the Giants to apologize that they messed up the call. Now, look, I understand that he wasn't offsides, but you're lining up over the center, okay? Your whole job is to sit there and watch the ball be snapped. Once the ball is snapped, then you move. Like, how can you go offsides when you're literally the person, you're literally the tackle that's lining up over the center? And it's at the end of the game, a huge play. Like, that's horrible horrible discipline out of Dexter Lawrence right there. Now, like we said, at the end of the day, he wasn't offsides, but still don't even give the refs a chance to make that call. The Giants just gave so many opportunities away in this game. They had so many opportunities to put the game away. Uh, Darius Slayton in the end zone, Daniel Jones overthrowing him a little bit. Uh, When they got after the Bradbury interception, Daniel Jones threw a pass to Slayton on the on the sideline, out of reach. Daniel Jones rushing for a touchdown. CJ Beard holding. Like time and time again, they just they, the Giants didn't want to win the game, and that's what happens when you're a bad team. You find ways to lose the game. And Thursday night, the Giants found ways to lose the game, and it was a heartbreaker. And I was fuming, but like I said, after reviewing the tape. He wasn't offsides. It was a bad call by the ref, but no excuse. You got to be better than that. And that's a coaching failure. And Joe Judge has to tell them, don't move until you see the ball snapped. And honestly, after these past two games, Joe Judge, he's suspect to me. Joe Judge is very suspect to me right now. First, it was week one throwing the challenge flag on a play that can't be challenged. And then here in week two, when... Chase Young got the rough in the passer penalty against Daniel Jones. He's telling the ref, that's 15. That's 15. When you pass the 30-yard line, it's half the distance to the goal. So Joe Judge is screaming, you know, it should be 15 yards when when you're in that part of the field, it's half the distance to the goal. So it's like, did he get in the heat of the moment? Same thing with the red flag. But what does that tell you about his mental capacity and his mental state that he gets so heated he forgets the rules like honestly last year it was great you know seeing joe judge get down on the ground you know when they were doing the fumble recovery drill and when with the hose and it was you know simulating that it was raining and joe judge was getting down and dirty with the players and he tells you how it is he's coming from belichick system he coached under nick saban but you know what How many coaches have we seen coming from Belichick's system that haven't succeeded? Matt Patricia, Bill O'Brien, where do the Josh McDaniels in Denver, where do they all end up? Back with Belichick, back with Nick Saban, Bill O'Brien right now. He's coaching the he's the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Matt Patricia, he's back with Belichick. We've seen it time and time and time again. Uh, Charlie Weiss, Notre Dame. 
Didn't last too long. Romeo Cornell, I forget, was it with the Browns, Chiefs? I don't know. Didn't last too long. Belichick is in a league of his own. Nick Saban is in a league of his own. So the New York Giants front office, Dave Gettleman, saying, oh, let's go pluck uh, one of Belichick's assistants. Maybe he could bring the Belichick you know, motto and Belichick winning ways to the New York Giants. It's not working. You're 0-2. It's not working. And Daniel Jones finally looked like a competent cornerback on Thursday night. He finally didn't turn the ball over, but when it counted, he folded under pressure. That throw to Slayton, you need to make a better throw in the end zone. That throw to Slayton on the sideline, you need to make a better throw. You need to put it, you need to put it in a spot where the receiver can catch it, not out of bounds by like two, three yards. And Honestly, I'm very, very frustrated with this Giants team. Even Saquon, we'll get to Saquon later, but even Saquon has been slacking. So very, very frustrating start to the Giants season. And just when you think that Jason Garrett had a good game calling the offense, the fourth quarter hits the end of the game when the Giants got the ball back after Heineke's interception. Instead of playing like you wanted to win the game, he played afraid to lose. Two minutes, 16 seconds left. You're down by one and you're playing for the field goal. You're not running enough time off the clock. And look what happens. Washington football team has a kick at the end of the game to win. And they did. Horrible, horrible play calling after that nice pick by Bradbury. Bradbury jumps the route. Nice interception. Here we go. Let's go down the field. Score a touchdown. Put this game out of reach. What does Jason Garrett do? No, no, no. no. Let, let, let's be conservative here. Daniel Jones hasn't turned the ball over yet all game. He's due for a turnover. Let's be conservative here. Let's be conservative here and only run what? 20 seconds off the clock and give fucking Washington and Heineke all the time to go down the field, march down the field and win the game. Horrible, horrible play call. And like I said, it's like you're always waiting for the shoe to drop. Like I said in episode one, Daniel Jones, no auto offense, running down the field, looking spectacular. Uh-oh, here comes the turnover. Boom, two plays later, here comes the turnover. Jason Garrett, wow, what a great game. He's playing, he's Great play calling. He has Daniel Jones running, playing great. Daniel Jones looks like a superstar out there. Oh, man. Maybe we're turning things around. Boom. End of fourth quarter. Let's let's be conservative now. Let's be conservative now. Why couldn't you put a run for Daniel Jones in, more, in, in one of those three downs? He's been killing it all game. Why? Why be conservative there? Go for the jugular. Go for the touchdown. Look what Jim Harbaugh, uh, John Harbaugh did last night. He grabbed his balls. He said, I'm not giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. Lamar, we're going for, you want to go for it? Lamar, you want to go for it? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's take the ball out of Mahomes' hand. Let's go for it and let's win this game. That's what you need to do. If the Giants had that type of attitude, maybe they win in this game Thursday night instead of leaving it in the ref's hand, Washington's kicker's hand. Like I said, Daniel Jones had a good game. I'm not going to take that away from him. He had those two passes that should have been better passes, but 249 yards, one passing touchdown, 95 yards on the ground with the rushing touchdown. And like I said last week, he's electric when you let him run and when he's not fumbling the football. He didn't commit one tur turnover all game. But again, like I said, it wasn't all positive. Those throws to Slayton need to be better throws. Now, at the end of the day, when you look at the stats, it's going to go down as Daniel Jones' best game as a pro. He had a 90.7 passing grade on pro football focus, his best ever. Before that, it was 79.5, so almost 11 points more. And if he could continue to play like this and limit turnovers, maybe he can be the quarterback 
of the future. I love his rapport with Sterling Shepard. Him and Shepard are on the same page. Nine receptions, 94 yards for Shepard, and... You could tell that Jones and Galladay don't have any rapport, no chemistry. They missed a few open throws. Galladay was wide open. They had something missing there. Jones missed the throw. Galladay made the wrong cut, what have you. And that was the name of the game Thursday night. Miss opportunities. I'll say it again and again and again. The pass to Slayton in the end zone. The rushing touchdown that got called back. Missed opportunities. Dexter Lawrence jumping the snap, even though he didn't. Miss opportunities. If you allow the team to stay in the game, it's going to come around and bite you in the ass, and you're going to lose. You're going to lose. And that's what the Giants did Thursday night. They lost. 0-2. 0-2. Eight times. They started the season 0-2. Eight times since 2013. Eight times. Every single fucking year. Except one. Every single fucking year, except one, the Giants have started 0-2. It makes me want to throw up. It, the, the, the days of Eli and coming back and, and road warriors going on the road every single week in the playoffs, winning in Green Bay, Tampa, Dallas, 49ers, over in San Francisco, going to the Super Bowl, beating Brady. We're the, we are a gutsy team, a gutsy franchise that is long gone. We can't rely on those those teams anymore. We can't rely on those teams to bring us joy because it's been a long, long time since the Giants have been a competent, good football team. They're the laughing stock of the league. The, the Giants are one of the worst franchises in the league since 2016. And here's a stat for you. Since that picture was taken, the curse of Odell Beckham, when they decided it was smart to go down to Miami uh, the week before they had to go to Lambeau and play the Packers. Uh, it's New Year's Eve. Uh, let's go down. It's New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Let's go down to Miami and get a nice off day. Let, let's enjoy ourselves. They were completely fucking flat for that Packers game. And honestly, ever since that day, this franchise has been on a downward spiral. The Giants are 18-49. and 18-49. and a 0.269 winning percentage, the worst record in the National Football League since that picture was taken in 2016. So over the last five years, the Giants are the worst franchise in the National Football League, and we share a city with the fucking Jets. The Jets are horrible, but the Jets have been better than us the past five years. How disgusting is that? We used to be a proud franchise. We used to be sitting there, you know, with our championship banners, you know, 2011, 2007, going back to 86, going back to 91, and all the NFL championships they won back in the day with fucking Y.A. Tittle and Frank Gifford before I was even born. We were a proud franchise. Lawrence Taylor, Phil Simms. We fucking suck. We're horrible. We're one of the worst franchises in football the last five years. How disgusting is that? You're in a major market. New York, the fucking Giants. The Jets are supposed to be the laughing stock of the league. Not the Giants. Now we both are. New York sports is a fucking cesspool between the Jets, the Giants, the fucking Yankees, the Mets. They can't get out of their way. It's horrible. It's, it's horrendous. And honestly, New York has become a laughing stock. We're a laughing stock in professional sports. The Nets are good. Who gives a fuck? Do we really count the Nets as being a New York team? Come on. They're like a fucking a tenant. The Nets are fucking renting out Brooklyn right now. They're not really a New York team. They're a New Jersey team. New York sports 
are a cesspool. And the Giants are the laughing stock of the NFL. We're the worst team in the NFL since 2016. And it's fucking pathetic. And we spend so much draft capital, the second pick in the entire draft on Saquon Barkley. He's going to be our running back of the future, our next Tiki Barber. He sucks. Saquon sucks. All he does is dance around the fucking backfield and misses the holes. And when he doesn't find a hole, he does a little dance and loses three, four yards. Instead of trying to put your nose down, getting an extra yard, he loses three, four, five yards. He had one good run, 40-yard plus run, one good run all season long. If he's not hurt, he's out in the backfield fucking dancing around. And honestly, Saquon Barkley sucks. He hasn't shown me anything since he's been coming back from these injuries. Now, I know it's only two games, but honestly, like when his contract is up after next year, are you really going to want to pay this guy? Like you see what these running backs are asking for? Screw it, man. Honestly, I'll be more, I'll I'll draft another running back this year. I'll go sign another running back. Like look, look around the league. You know, it's a two, three running back systems now. Like, you want the committee backfield. Look at Dallas. They got Ezekiel Elliott and they got Tony Pollard. Now, I know that doesn't really, you know, it's not a really good scenario to compare because Zeke got the money, but Tony Pollard is outplaying Zeke right now. And we got Devin Booker as our backup. You know, like Saquon. He's horrible. And like I said, I really don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like we really need to just break everything down and rebuild. And I know that's sad to say, but you know what? This year is not going to get any better. Okay. The fucking air out of the balloon is, is fizzing away. We are deflated. The giants are deflated. Just, I guarantee you, I know judge Joe judge is a rah, rah, go get him type of guy. I guarantee you in that locker room after the game Thursday night, the players were deflated. They should have won this game. One and one is a lot different than 0-2. And And Atlanta comes to town next week. We're playing Atlanta. We have to win that game. I know it's only week three, but it's a must win in week three because we cannot lose that game because game week four, we go to New Orleans and we play the Saints. And the Saints got crushed by the Panthers. So you're telling me that the Panthers and Sam Donald, the laughing stock of New York the past three years, can beat the Saints? And we're going to go down there and, and Lay, lay an egg and put up a dud we need to beat the falcons we need to beat the saints we need to get this ship back on track we need to get back on route two and two but honestly i really don't think it's going to happen now if the giants start going on a run they rattle off five wins in a row i'll be happy but you know what let's be real are we winning a Super Bowl with this roster? No, we're not. You're really going to trust Daniel Jones in the Super Bowl? He's going to have fucking three turnovers. Saquon Barkley is going to be back there dancing the fucking moonwalk. And our offensive line is just dropping like flies. First, it was Shane Lemieux. Now it's Nick Gates. Ben Bredesen came back there. Good thing we made those trades when I said, oh, man, what are we doing? We're trying to piece together an offensive line before week one with all these trades. Good thing we made those trades because if not, we'd be up Shit's Creek. And again, Nate Solder, again, another horrible game. Chase Young made you look like a bitch out there. Why isn't Pert in the game? Put Pert out there. Solder is not the, the man for the job. Andrew Thomas. Looks very good. First two weeks, I give Andrew Thomas an A. He looks really good the first two weeks, but we need uh, we need to figure something out with this offensive line. And, and the line played good. Honestly, I can't complain. The line, other than Solder, played good. If if the Giants won this game Thursday night, 
this would be a totally different conversation. But the fact that they made bonehead mistakes, they let the opportunities get by through their hands, fucking Dexter Lawrence, Daniel Jones, Darius Slayton, CJ Beard, the, the problem, the, the, the fact that those things happen and we're 0-2, at the end of the day, it's a loss. A win is a win, a loss is a loss, and it doesn't matter how close you got. At the end of the day, only one team can win, one team can lose, and the Giants lost. 0-2 for the eighth time since 2013. Only one season we didn't start the season 0-2. Fucking pathetic. It's very sad that the high point of your season, the high point of your team so far has been your kicker. Graham Gano has hit 35 field goals in a row and that's that's our high point. That's what we that that's the positive of the team right now. Because Daniel Jones didn't play two good games. The defense didn't play two good games. Saquon's off in fucking Fantasy Island. You got fucking Shepard. You know what? I'll give you Shepard. Shepard is another high point. Shepard is another thing to put our hat on. But Graham Gano, 35 field goals in a row. That's, that's our star right now. Our star of the team is a fucking kicker. Like, you got to be kidding me. He's not Sebastian Janikowski. He's Graham Gano. Like, come on. Like, this is, this is pathetic. Like, this is something the Jets would do. This story is a Jets story, not a giant story, a proud franchise. It's a Jets story. And we're not the Jets. We're the Giants. And the Jets and the Giants are both laughing stocks right now. And look what's going on across the hall in the Jets locker room. Fucking Zach Wilson, their number one pick, threw four interceptions against the Patriots on Sunday. One of them, the last interception, he threw it. Nobody was around. His, rec his receivers weren't even like 15 yards close to him. He threw that pick straight into the defense. McCourty didn't even have to move. He threw it straight to McCourty. None of his receivers were around. Mac Jones took in the Patriots. He didn't have a great game, but the Patriots got it done. And you knew that the Jets weren't going to win this game because the Jets, Belichick, he eats up rookie quarterbacks. He completely eats them up and he ate up the Jets on Sunday. Zach Wilson, 210 yards, four interceptions. Now, is Zach Wilson going to be good? I don't know. They need to get the offensive line figured out. They have the same issues over and over and over and over again. The Jets are like the fucking movie Groundhog Day. Every single year, it's the same old thing. Rinse and repeat. Mark Sanchez, rinse and repeat. Sam Donald, rinse and repeat. Zach Wilson, rinse and repeat. And honestly, you know what? If I'm a Jets fan right now, I am fucking fuming that we won that game late last year because I'd rather have Trevor Lawrence than Zach Wilson. Now, Trevor Lawrence is playing like shit as well, but you know, Trevor Lawrence is a blue chip stock. Zach Wilson, you don't know that yet. He came on last year. You don't know if Zach Wilson is going to be a blue chip stock. What if he's not? That's another three years down the drain. Robert Sala, a great defensive genius. He's coming over from San Francisco. He's the guy to get the job done. A defensive genius. He hasn't looked like a defensive genius in the first two weeks. And on the offensive side of the ball, it's miserable right now. The Jets scored six points. They didn't even get a touchdown. Six points. The Jets have two touchdowns all season long, and both of them came in garbage time last week against Sam Donald and the Panthers. So, like I said, New York sports, man. You add the Yankees to the mix, fucking losing to Cleveland 
you know, getting blown out by Cleveland this weekend. You add the Mets to the mix. They won last night, but the Mets are out of the playoff hunt. They ain't got no chance to make the playoffs. The Yankees are one and a half games behind in the wild card. The Yankees are going to miss the playoffs. So you're going to have the Yankees miss the playoffs. The Mets miss the playoffs. The Jets and the Giants are 0-2. Like, is basketball season here already? Because at least the Knicks, they tried. They worked hard. You know, that they could get the job done. You know, the Knicks are going to play hard. The Yankees don't play hard. The Mets don't play hard. And who knows what's happening with these football teams because it's it's a mockery it really is and honestly like i i can't tell you the next time we're going to see a championship in the nfl for new york because definitely the jets aren't going to get the job done and i'm telling you i i miss eli manning so much he wasn't the sexy guy he didn't throw four or five thousand yards he wasn't peyton manning he wasn't his brother he wasn't drew Brees. he wasn't tom brady but you know what he was a winner He got the job done in the fourth quarter. If the Giants were down, you knew that you could rely on Eli going down the field, scoring a touchdown or get you in field goal range to win the game. I missed that. Tom Coughlin, the hard ass. Everybody was like, he's too hard on the players. You know what? We need that back. We need, I would, I would kill to get Tom Tom Coughlin on the sideline right now. What the fuck do we have since? We had Pat Shermer, who was a schmuck, Ben Adutadu, McAdoo, who was a fucking idiot, looked like an idiot. And now we got Joe Judge, who's lost. Joe Judge is completely lost. And you got Jason Garrett in there, too. The defensive coordinator, Graham, he's he's okay. He's doing okay. But I don't know what the answer is. But the answer isn't what's on the field right now. The answer isn't how they're playing right now. And I thought with the talent, when you're looking at the roster and the talent, you think this team was going to be a lot better than it was. I picked the Giants to win the division. They're not even close. They're lucky to win six or seven games this year. We're going to get another one, uh, a top five draft pick. They're going to give up on Daniel Jones. We're going to draft Howell or Malik Willis or Spencer Rattler. And it's going to be the cycle. We're going to get into the Jets cycle. We're going to be twins. Every three years, drafted a new quarterback, rinse, repeat. Drafted a new quarterback, rinse, repeat. Not winning anything. Not having any good seasons. Putting any good seasons together. And again, it comes down to the curse of Odell Beckham. Who knows? Maybe in 50 years, we're talking about the curse of Beckham like we did the curse of the Bambino with the Red Sox. Because ever since Beckham went to Miami and all that shit and we traded him, we've been a horrible franchise. Odell Beckham put a hex on the New York Giants because we've been a horrible, incompetent franchise ever since he's left, ever since he made that mistake and partied down in Miami with his teammates and completely screwed us. And we got blown out in that game by the Packers. It wasn't even close. So the Giants are 0-2. The Jets are 0-2. Things aren't looking good for New York sports. And I got nothing else to say about this shit. All right, looking across the rest of the league, Lamar Jackson finally exercised his Patty Mahomes demons and finally beat the Chiefs. Uh, Great game. Lamar played well. And like I said earlier, the Ravens, John Harbaugh, they got balls, man. Going for it on fourth down. You have to do it in that situation. You can't give Patrick Mahomes the ball back because if you give Patrick Mahomes the ball back, he is going to march down the field, score a touchdown, at least getting field goal range. Field goal range was a given at that point. So that's why you, you trust your quarterback. You go there. Let's go for it on fourth down. Harbaugh did that. Lamar said, let's go. You know Lamar was going to, when he asked Lamar that, you know he was going to say, let's go for it. He's asked Lamar that a few times over his career. And Lamar's like, yeah, let's go for it, coach. So 
They got big balls. The Ravens beat the Chiefs. First time they beat them in the past few few years with Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback for the Chiefs. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the AFC playoffs this year when the Ravens have a little bit more confidence that they finally beat the Chiefs. Uh, the Packers rebounded last night after their monster loss to the Saints week one. Aaron Rodgers had a huge game, four touchdowns. Aaron Jones had four touchdowns. They completely killed the Lions. The Lions looked like it would be close early on, but the Packers ran away with it. Now, my two Super Bowl picks, Tennessee and LA Rams. Tennessee made a nice comeback against Seattle. The Rams played great against the Colts. I feel very good about these two picks right here. I really think there's a good chance that one of them makes the Super Bowl. Hopefully both do. And I'll hit my parlay for both winning the conference, win a nice $3,000. But Matthew Stafford, he has to be happy with the weapons he has in Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup had a monster game, 163 yards, two touchdowns. L.A. looks like it's the team to beat in the NFC other than the Bucs right now. So if I would have to pick two teams to come out of the NFC right now, it's the Bucs and the L.A. Rams. Uh, speaking of the Bucs, Brady's took care of the Falcons. We knew that would happen. Uh, the Cowboys squeaked out a victory in L.A. against the Chargers. And like I said earlier, Tony Pollard looks dynamic. They got Dual backs out there. Pollard has looked better than Ezekiel Elliott so far this season. So that's an interesting dynamic. And once again, Mike McCarthy, he's like Joe Judge, makes another bonehead mistake. He he messes up managing the clock late. He has a timeout in his pocket. He doesn't call it. He tells the media that the clock he was looking at in the stadium went dark. And when he looked up, All of a sudden, there was nine seconds left. You know, thank God Greg Zerline got out there. He hit the 56-yard field goal to bail McCarthy out. But once again, another bonehead move by Mike McCarthy. And honestly, the only reason he has a job is a man named Aaron Rodgers. Because if he didn't have Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback in Green Bay, Mike McCarthy wouldn't have a job with the Dallas Cowboys right now. He wouldn't be a Super Bowl winning coach. Now, the Cardinals squeaked one squeaked one out against the Vikings, which was a great game. The Raiders upset the Steelers 2-0 for the Las Vegas Raiders. Watch out. They got a playoff caliber team. Derek Carr looks great. Uh, the Saints put up a dud after killing the Packers last week. Sam Darnold is 2 and. Oh, Jets fans, I'm sure you are very pissed off hearing that, very upset. 584 yards, three touchdowns, one interception this season. Sam Donald looks amazing. And Carolina has to be the biggest surprise of the year. 2-0 behind Sam Donald. And the Jets' new quarterback blows. Sam Donald's playing good. Like I said earlier, it sucks being a Jets fan. Justin Fields led the Bears to a win over the Bengals. Joe Burrow probably had his worst game as a starter. He threw three interceptions on three straight passes. Uh, It was a rough day against a good Bears defense. Cleveland took care of Houston and Trevor Lawrence is now 0-0. Two. It's going to be a long year for a long year for Jaguars fans. He was fourteen and thirty three, only a hundred and eighteen yards with two interceptions. So things aren't looking good in Jacksonville with their new shiny toy uh, and Urban Meyer. And you got to think, man, is Urban Meyer going to bolt 
for the USC job? We shall see. Uh, Two is hurt again. I feel bad for that guy, man. It's like God does not want Tua to play football. He continually gets hurt. He's injury prone and he got crushed. He has a rib injury. Who knows when he'll be back, but it has to suck for Dolphins fans because they got destroyed by the Bills 35 to nothing. I had the Dolphins plus 3.5 as one of my picks. I got killed this weekend. Diggsies got killed this weekend. We went one and four, one and two with our college football picks, 0-2 with our NFL picks, and we lost the Monday night football pick. So Diggsy is on a losing streak right now, but don't worry. Next week, we'll fire it back up and we'll get some wins for you you know that's gonna happen so two is hurt feel bad for him uh the 49ers moved to 2-0 against the eagles and honestly the nfc west man the cardinals rams 49ers they're all 2-0 and i said it in the preview show it's very likely that all four teams in the nfc west make the playoffs and it's very possible that happens because the 49ers are good the cardinals are good we, we saw, the, I, t- I said the Rams are a Super Bowl caliber team, and you know the Seahawks are pesky. They probably will be there. So, very likely that all four NFC, the NFC West is the best division in football right now, guaranteed. Um, and over in the AFC West, who would have thought after two weeks, the Raiders and the Broncos would be 2 0? first in the AFC West, and the Chargers and the Chiefs would be one and one. So this NFL season is shaping up to be a very exciting one. We got a lot of surprises. The New York teams suck, like I said earlier, but hey, it's football season. Sundays are good. Sunday nights, Monday night. And, and honestly, the primetime games have been phenomenal. Every single primetime game has been good. There hasn't been a dud yet. Well, the Rams-Bears game could have been, you know, was a little bit of a dud. But hopefully that continues. Thursday night, we got Carolina versus the Texans. There's there's a chance of being the first, you know, like 14 to 10 dud primetime game. But hopefully not. So that does it for the NFL week number two. All right, let's hit this wrestling recap real quick before I get into another Ryder Cup rant. Man, I've just ranted all day long, man. We got the Giants rant, the Ryder Cup rant. I I think I need a chill pill after this podcast. But uh, for the second week in a row, AEW Dynamite beat Raw. Dynamite did a .44. Raw did a .43. Now, Raw was going up against Monday Night Football. So that's a reason why that number was so low. But they also had Big E announcing earlier in the day that he was going to cash in. That didn't do nothing for Raw. So three out of the last four weeks, AEW has been the top wrestling program on TV. And the ratings war has begun. I've said it all along that AEW was direct competition for WWE. People did not believe it. It's true, guys. AEW is direct competition for WWE. And big news coming out of the AE world yesterday, they reached an agreement with Dr. Martha Hart, Owen Hart's wife, 
Owen Hart's widow that they have. Owen Hart is pretty much all elite. They're going to have a merchandise deal with Owen Hart. He's going to be in the video games. They're going to have the Owen Hart Cup, which will be a tournament when the victors of that tournament will win a championship trophy called the Owen. So for years and years and years, since Owen Hart has passed, WWE has wanted to get merchandise out there. They wanted to use his likeness. Owen Hart's wife said no. No chance in hell. You were negligent for his death. Now, AEW has the rights to Owen Hart. And, you know, Bret Hart's definitely going to be doing a lot more with AEW. He was there at the, uh, the first pay-per-view, Double or Nothing, to show off the AEW World Championship. So, AEW has a deal with the Hart family. And that's going to be exciting. Now, this is going to be the biggest week for AEW's short history because they're going to have their biggest show Wednesday night at Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens. Diggsies will be there, a four-hour extravaganza, and I feel bad for Mrs. Diggsies because when she signed up to come with me, it was just a two-hour dynamite. 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock for the pre-show, going to 10. We'd be home around 11. Now, sorry, babe, we're going to be there at midnight. Shit happens. It's going to be an amazing show. And this card, this card is, it's probably one of the best wrestling cards I've ever seen because you got the main event of Dynamite, Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. That's a friggin' WrestleMania main event, you know, uh, Wrestle Kingdom main event. Like, that's a match that we thought we'd never see. That's a main event match on any top pay-per-view card anywhere for the past five years and we're getting it on a dynamite episode wednesday night cm punk is making his uh return he's gonna have his second match he got the super click adam cole and the young bucks versus christian christian cage luchasaurus jungle boy you got cody rhodes coming back to face malachi black sting and darby allen versus ftr and it's just gonna be over and over you know jericho and Hager are fighting you got santana and ortiz it's pretty much every single star. MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr. I'm sure I'm missing something, but like I said, every single big star that AEW has, this is going to be their show of the year. Two hours Wednesday night, two hour Rampage Friday night that they're taping Wednesday night after Dynamite, and it's pretty much like a pay-per-view event. So it's a very exciting time in the pro wrestling world right now, and rumor, spoiler, if you don't want to listen, you know, put this on pause and move ahead for two minutes. But Bray Wyatt is in talks with AEW. Everybody thought his contract would run out. His uh, 90-day non-compete clause would run out at the end of October. But now it's being talked about that it's going to end at the end of September. So Bray Wyatt can show up at the Dynamite in Rochester in the beginning of October, which was Brody Lee's hometown. So, hey... If Bray Wyatt's going to make his debut, what better way to do it in Rochester, Brody Lee's hometown, to honor the late, great Brody Lee. So, AEW Wrestling, going to be a great week. Can't wait. All right, on to the Ryder Cup, and we got big-time drama again. We saw what Brooks Kepka said in the Golf Digest magazine, and Paul Azinger came out the captain of the 2008 winning u.s Ryder cup team that created the pod systems that we're starting to use that 
really brought analytics into the USA team. He said that after reading that, I'm not sure Brooks loves the Ryder Cup that much. And if he doesn't love it, he should relinquish his spot and get people there who do love the Ryder Cup. In Brook, if Brooks is deep, ugh, is Brooks deep down thinking, is this my reward for playing so well? I have to go play the Ryder Cup. It's possible. I know there's been players who, other players who felt that way. The Ryder Cup is a different animal, and honestly, I don't disagree with him. You know, if Brooks and Steve Stricker said yesterday in his captain's press conference that he doesn't understand where the, that article came from because seeing Brooks in the team room and seeing Brooks around his teammates, that's not him at all. That Brooks is very excited to be a part of Team USA and he does take the Ryder Cup seriously. So who knows who's true, who's telling a lie, but you know what? If Brooks Kepka doesn't want to be a part of the Ryder Cup, give it to somebody. You know, I'm sure Patrick Reed is chomping at the bit to get out there and play at Whistling Straits, and he's been snubbed. And you know what? I was watching Golf Channel last night, and they were talking about the dynamic pairings that Europe has had over the years, and the U.S. hasn't had one of those. We did have one of those. It was Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed. They were the pairing in 2014, 2016. They kept winning, winning, winning. They were dominant. And then come 2018, Jordan Spieth says, I want to play with my friend Justin Thomas. I blame Jim Furyk. You should be saying no. You and Patrick, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You and Patrick Reed are a great pairing. You guys win. You guys play well together. You're playing with Patrick Reed. We should have Spieth and Reed should be a dominant pairing right now. But because Jordan Spieth wanted to play with his friend, Justin Thomas, now you got Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth as the pairing. That's the issue with Europe. Europe that's that's why Europe's better than us, okay? Because Europe, they would they would put that that those differences aside, and they'd say, you know what? I'd rather play with someone who's not my friend if we're gonna win than someone who's my friend if we're gonna lose. USA isn't like that. We just want to make our stars feel good about themselves, and I, I feel like everyone's complacent. I want to go play with my friend. I don't want to play with Patrick Reed. Yada yada yada. That's the big issue we have in Team USA. We're not a team. We're not taking a bullet for the team. We're not taking one for the team. We're all about me, me, me. And honestly, the more and more it gets closer to the first shot being hit on Friday morning, the more and more I think that Team Europe is going to beat us because USA has a lot of question marks. You know, you got the whole Brooks and Bryson issue. Bryson DeChambeau's hands are destroyed because he's taken part of the world long drive competition the Monday after the Ryder Cup. A ton of question marks. Is Brooks' wrist healthy? Does he want to be there? Like I said, the Brooks-Bryson dynamic. You got Colin Morikawa's back has been acting up. And Steve Stricker has a lot of on his plate this weekend and it'll be very interesting to see what team usa's dynamic will be now the course is going to be ripe for the picking because we are they already said they're going to pretty much make no rough they're going to put put the pins in easy spots it's good they're going to make it a birdie fest they want to get the crowd the the usa crowd in it behind the players it's going to be a birdie fest it's going to allow the usa to just bomb and gouge the course with our big hitters and there's been some rumors of the pairings uh that came out yesterday and honestly i, I pretty much i i do like the, the the way things are shaping up 
for Tuesday's practice round, they got uh, three groups of four. Group number one, you got Brooks Kepka, Tony Finau, Daniel Berger, and Harris English. Group number two, you got Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Bryson DeChambeau, and Scotty Scheffler. Group number three, you got Dustin Johnson, Colin Morikawa, Xander Schauffele, and Patrick Cantlay. Now, Xander and Patrick Cantlay, that was going to be a pairing all along. They're friends. They're both from the same area. They like each other. It's interesting to see Morikawa with DJ, but I like like that. I thought Morikawa was going to play with Finau, but he's going to be playing with DJ. I like that a lot. You know, Spieth and JT are playing together. Like I said, Xander and Cantlay are going to be playing together. DJ Morikawa. So the last foursomes group will probably be English and Berger. Um, maybe Brooks and Finau. I'm not sure. Brooks and Finau is more a four-ball uh, team. Like I said last week, Bryson shouldn't be playing foursomes at all. Put him out there in four-ball, Bryson and Scheffler, and uh, let them just bomb it, gouge it, try to make birdies. Uh, Spieth and JT, they're pretty much, I really think, unless they really lay an egg on, on day one, I really think they'll play all four of the team matchups. Um, I think DJ Amorikawa will play all four as well. Unless Xander and Cantlay get hot and they turn into a Tommy Fleetwood, Francisco Molinari pairing out there and they just start killing it. Um, but this is the way Team USA is going. Like I said, I really like the D. Uh, all along, we were talking about Finau Morikawa. DJ Morikawa is 10 times better. I really like that. You got DJ, a guy who could bomb it. You got Morikawa, who is a sniper with the irons. And you know, they, they both get streaky with the putter. I like that group a lot. Now, last week, Butch Harmon, Butch Harmon came out and said that if he was the captain of Team USA, he would put out Brooks and Bryson first, say, it's not about you guys. It's about the team. It's about winning the Ryder Cup. Butch, we've seen this story before. How Sutton did the same thing in 2004 with Tiger and Phil, and Tiger and Phil lost. They got smoked. They didn't even talk to each other during the matches. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Look what Paul Azinger did in 2008. You need guys that are compatible. He had the aggressive guys. He had the steady eddies and he had the rednecks. He broke the group into three pods. All four guys were similar in uh, personality, similar in the way they played. And that's why they won. You can't say, hey, Brooks and Bryson, I know you guys hate each other. Go out there and play. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Like I said, how Sutton, they lost. USA lost that 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 year, 18 and a half to nine and a half. It was the biggest lopsided Ryder Cup history to date. And how Sutton literally took three years off from the game of golf because he was blamed for that beating, shellacking that Team USA took. And he should be because it was an idiotic idea. Why put your two best players together when you could split them up and have two great teams instead of one great team? So, like I said... It's not going to work, Butch. It didn't work with Hal Sutton, with Tiger and Phil. It's not going to work with Brooks and Bryson. And like I said, I know it's crazy with me thinking Team Europe has a really good shot here. Rory hasn't been playing well, but Rahm is the hottest player in the world. Hovland's a beast. You got Sergio hasn't been playing well, but you know Sergio steps up for the Ryder Cup. Ian Poulter is a Ryder Cup assassin. Lee Westwood, Tommy Fleetwood. Now, I know they don't have great depth. I know there's question marks with Bern Weisberger and, you know, even, even Paul Casey. Like, just think of that right there. You got Rory, Rahm, Hovland, 
Casey Sergio, Westwood Poulter, that's seven guys, Fleetwood, that's eight guys. So even if you're eight guys, just, just rely on those eight guys. And you know Patrick Harrington, he is a, a tinkerer. He's analytical. The guy freaking changed his swing every single year. The guy won uh, three majors in the uh, span of 13 months. He won two open championships and a PGA, and he changed his swing. So you know he's going to be able to adapt on the fly. If things aren't working, he's going to be able to switch things up. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Stricker does. And honestly, that's why Europe has been the better team. Their analytics are 10 times better than us, and they've been doing it longer than us. They're, they, they literally go into these tournaments, uh, the Ryder Cup, and they look at stuff at like pressure putting. How a player putts, how a golfer putts when he's within two shots of the lead. They also look at stuff as who has better green and regulation percentage numbers for back right pins to front left pins to pins on the right, pins on the left. Who plays better when the wind's coming from the south versus the wind coming from the north? Like they get so in depth with their analytics. And that's why they've beaten us nine out of the last 12 times. So, you know, right now, Europe is a plus 200 underdog. That number is way too high. It's going to be a lot closer than that. On paper, Team USA should blow them out, but you don't play the Ryder Cup on paper. And the USA was supposed to blow Team Europe out on paper in 2018, and look what that happened. But all I hope for is... Honestly, it'd be nice for USA to run away with it, but come on, that's not good TV. That's not compelling TV. I want it to be tied going into singles or maybe USA up one going into singles because I want a nice tight Ryder Cup. I want a nice 14 and a half to 13 and a half Ryder Cup like we got at Medina because the last three Ryder Cups have been blowouts. And by Sunday afternoon, it's like, all right, you already know who's going to win. That's not exciting. And if that happens again, that will be four years in a row that the home team has blown the other team out. And the reason why that's happening is because we're tinkering with the courses. In the US, we're making the fairways wide, mowing down the rough, putting the pins in the middle of the green in Europe. We're making the fairway small, growing out the rough, tucking pins. So if that happens again and four times in a row and it keeps going like this, the home team winning by, you know, four, five, six points, there needs to be a rule change that the home team cannot set up the course and the course needs to be the same on the U.S. and European soil or there's an independent party that creates that sets up the course because if it's just going to be every time it's in the U.S., they're just going to bomb it and put pins in the middle. Every time it's in Europe, tight fairways, big rough. It's going to get the, the Ryder Cup's going to get dull. Every once in a while, you'll have an upset where the visiting team wins, but mo most likely you're going to have the home team winning every single time. And that's not exciting. That's not compelling golf. That's not exciting. So hopefully it's a tight match. And like I said, weeks ago, I was like, there's no way USA loses this. But now I'm starting to get worried. And I think there is a good shot that Europe can pull the upset. Obviously, I don't want that. I want Team USA to win, but it worries me all the question marks we have. So Friday morning, 8 a.m., I can't wait. I'll be sitting downstairs with a cup of coffee, my one-year-old son watching the Ryder Cup with me for the first time, and it's going to be a great weekend. Now, we didn't talk about baseball too much this week because the Mets are out of it and the Yankees are playing shitty baseball right now. So you know what? We're skipping baseball for the week. 
Maybe next week when we come back on, the Yankees will get closer to the playoff spot. But the Yankees have a very hard schedule coming up. You got three against Boston. You got three against Toronto, then three against Tampa Bay. So you know what? The teams you need to beat, the teams you need to leap to get into the wild card spot, you're playing them. Go beat them. Go beat them. Get the job done. So that does it for Yo Yo It's Digsies, the podcast episode number six. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and we will see you next week. Yo Yo It's Digsies, baby.